we have a debt of gratitude to pay to the attorney general. During, I think it was either pre-pandemic, I, I really don't remember, but I just remember there was a lot of hullabaloo about whether he was going to keep his date to speak or whether he was not, whether he was, whether he not. And it went back and forth, and he said to me, Jackie, why wouldn't I come? And that resonated with me because he said, one, I have something to say, and two, City Club is the place to do it. And um, I just won't ever forget that. That just meant so much to me. It was, it was almost like, why would you even ask me the question? People can say what they want to say, but I'm going to stick to my plan. And um, I think that we just owe you a debt of gratitude for that. So thank you so much, my friend and, and, and sir. Um, at this point in the program, I'm going to ask our CEO, Dan Gibbons, to come up. And he and the Attorney General are going to take the program from here. Um, thank you all so much for being here. I think we had shrimp today. I, I'm like, wow, thanks, Magianos. That was because the Attorney General was here, right? Um, <laughs> enjoy your lemon cookies as the discussion continues. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, uh, Jackie, and, and thank you as, as we get situated here. I'm sure everybody can hear me. Um, thanks for mentioning all those folks who are in the room, because that's, that's just as important. These are all the people that make Chicago work and make Chicago better. And when minds and, and positions and people like this come together, good things happen. Uh, so thanks for sticking with us through all those amazing people and all those that, that we uh, plan to have come back and speak soon. Uh, we had a lot to cover, right? Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think anyone's picked up a newspaper or a, or a, a Twitter feed uh, without seeing a whole host of issues that the Attorney General uh, of the State of Illinois has to deal with on a daily basis. Um, we read about it. We have ideas. We have thoughts. We have views on it. You have to actually deal with deal with things and and, and handle things. You're you're a busy man. So thanks for taking the time, first of all, to be here at the City Club. Well, well, thank you, and, and, and I know these newspaper articles that uh, either herald or criticize uh, what we do um, usually name me, but I have an incredible staff <laughs> of over 450 attorneys and, and uh, over 750 uh, staff. I, uh, from day to day, I don't know. We, we, <laughs> we've, we, uh, I inherited an office that had the uh, worst uh, attrition rate in 2018. Um, in the country, according to the National Association of Attorneys General. So I've really dedicated myself to trying to award our staff and trying to retain our staff. And I think we've done a decent job of it. And that's right. why we do the work we do. I've heard it mentioned as a family. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, an example of uh, the nature of the family we are. And just, just last night, uh, I, I raised uh, uh Cup of beer or two. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> at a, near, a nearby pub with some of our prosecutors because we recently lost uh, one of our um, prosecutors. And really, uh, a man who really demonstrated the dedication of our staff, John Kesdy, who was head of our statewide grand jury, um, who last year took a bullet. At, in Highland Park, and Tim Diamond, where are you? Where are you, Tim? 
Tim Diamond is our deputy AG of criminal called me that night. We were corresponding all, all day about our response. Um, we had investigators on the scene. Um, and Tim calls me and says, general, um, I neglected to see a email from John Kesdy, uh, who said, uh, that he needed a day off, um, because he was at a parade and somebody started shooting and he took a bullet to the elbow. His wife took shrapnel to the back. The two people right next to him were instantly killed. And the thing of note is he asked for a day off, um, probably worse, experienced the most traumatic occurrence of his life, but his dedication uh, was demonstrated by asking for a day off, and unfortunately he passed away a couple of weeks ago as a result of a bike accident after after his retirement, And uh, uh, but he epitomized the dedication of our staff. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I had heard about that a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm so sorry to... Uh have to remember him um, without him being here, and, and, and that just makes everything so real, right? I mean, everyone's, everyone here has been affected by something that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing his story, and, and I, I think it's it's worth uh, a note that uh, and Chief Chief Snelling just just came from um, Lieutenant's Lieutenant Ward's funeral, yeah. so we buried a firefighter today. Um, it's it's a tough. Uh, Tough thing for a city, right? These are these are people that go out every day uh, and don't know if they're going to come home. Yep. And, uh, and and you are here doing what you can to prevent so much of that and to support uh, all of those folks. So thank you. Thank you for that. And thanks, everybody in the room, for all the support of these first responders. And this week of September 11th um, just makes everything very real, right? So... There's so much, so many issues, and here's another another example, and, I, and I'll lead into to one of these issues because this was this was made very real for me the other day. Uh, uh, Trish Rooney, a great friend and civic leader here, had some folks at her home that were parents of, of yeah. mostly high school students, and um, and we talked, uh, heard from from your friend Rose, and and um, I I don't know that I'll get into specifics about it, but her 15 year old son committed suicide. And um, she has now dedicated her life to cyber crime. And um, here she is. Here in, in here. She's coming from St. Ignatius, where she's working on a- Coming from St. Ignatius. So what I was just mentioning was, was that I'd heard about your story and your son and, and the suicide that he unfortunately committed after at 15 years of age after being cyber bullied. Um, something that could have been prevented, that should have been prevented, uh, that um, happens way more than anyone thinks. And uh, starting off on a, on a couple of rough notes here, but what I'd, what I'd like to do is, is maybe focus on what, what you're doing, what you're doing with Representative Croak and, and with Rose and with, with all these families who care so much to dedicate their lives so that they can prevent even one more person from tragically taking their own life or, or losing their life because um, there's good that hopefully can come out of all this. Yeah. So, um, and, and uh, Trish and Rose, I, and as Rose knows, I had a conflict. Otherwise, I, w- I, I, I would have been at your home, so invite me in the future, okay? Um, um, you know, in this age of uh, sort of political divisiveness, uh, you know, 
historically, the AG space was a space that was uh, somewhat immune to the politics that divided Republicans and and, and Democrats, and and um, it has invaded our space a bit. But there's still some issues where uh, uh, it just makes sense, uh, and no matter what your uh, where you are on along the uh, political continuum, that we work collectively on. And one of those uh, issues is to to try to save our children. Um, from the uh, ills of um, um, online platforms um, that uh, have impacted a generation um, negatively in so many ways, from the cyberbullying to sleep deprivation to um, um, uh, lowering of, of self-esteem by by use of uh, the the artificial intelligence that feeds people. Uh, information that undermine their self uh, confidence from trafficking of uh, controlled substances on different platforms and with the fentanyl problem that we have right now it could it, it could be uh, certainly deadly and so uh, uh, Susan Ellis who's here who's uh, chief of my consumer uh, protection um, uh, division um, and uh, our, uh, some of our staff members are lead on an effort we have to uh, begin to hold these platforms accountable uh, for the damage that they cause. And you hear about different actions that uh, attorneys general have engaged in historically, collectively, if you think about tobacco and, or, or more recently opioids, uh, oftentimes uh, folks focus on, okay, well, how much money did you bring back as a result of the investigation or the lawsuit that you filed? But the, the, the thing that uh, folks miss is what we gain by way of injunctive relief, by change of industry practices. It's, it, it is, I argue, more important than the amount of money we bring back to abate the problem. The money is important because if you think of opioids, for instance, we've got it a huge problem to 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 correct, and the money can go a long way towards doing that. But changing the practices um, um, with regards to tobacco, we've reduced youth tobacco uh, usage. Uh, the changing of practices of pharmacies and uh, opioid manufacturers and distributors will will. Uh, I don't know if people have watched that HBO program, Painkiller. I couldn't watch it. Um, um, but we're changing the practices of industry. Um, that has to be done with, with uh, online platforms as well. And uh, we have to remove uh, the disincentivization for them to police themselves. Um, uh, this is probably the most important thing uh, that we're we're working on. I, 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 um, I'm the parent of um, now four uh, young adults um, who I think all have been negatively impacted um, by too much time on various platforms. I'm not going to name the specific platforms, but you all know what they are. And, and for you all who have children, um, um, you know, I really, really encourage you not to allow these platforms or the video games to be a babysitter um, um, because uh, you, you will, as a family, will suffer the consequences.
and thank you as a, a father myself of I, my guys are little and hopefully some of what you're all doing uh, will take effect by the time that that can really um, play a, a factor so thank you for all all of those efforts um, by the way what I left out yep. is we did a convening of um, uh, most recently health care experts folks from education and others to be, discuss um, how we're going to uh, try to uh, tackle this and, and, and Rose and Robin Rose were there to share their uh, the work that they've been doing on, on, on cyberbullying and, and the, the awareness that really um, we need to ring the bell on and and, and, um, and uh, really lift this up because it's happening under all of our noses. Okay. Um, on to another one, uh, Chicago crime. So uh, Irene uh, Quest, and I, what I'm going to try to do is weave in questions because we have a whole number of topics, and um, please, again, send up questions if you have them, and I'll try to um, weave them into this conversation. Uh, Irene asked, uh, obviously there's, there's a lot we can talk about with Chicago crime. Um, the question summed it up very nicely. I think any immediate plans or solutions uh, to the crime and violence problems in Chicago? Is there a three-month plan, a six-month plan with an emphasis on immediate? And of course, understanding you are the Attorney General for the state of Illinois, uh, not necessarily the police chief uh, or the mayor of Chicago, but um, but could you talk about Chicago crime for a minute? Yeah. Um, and so obviously everybody wants an instantaneous solution to the crime problem that has been, has been uh, built up over decades, decades of disinvestment investment and um, um, decades of, uh, of, of tolerance and uh, decades of expecting uh, police officers by themselves to uh, solve the crime problem. We, we're finally evolved into a conversation where we realize that there's got to be a comprehensive effort towards solving the crime problem. Um, what I really despise about the conversation, about the paradigm that we often uh, dis- uh, discuss solving crime in, it's, it's, uh, it's one where people feel like they're forced into choosing sides. Uh, and, uh, uh, what I mean by that is you're either pro-police or you're pro-police or reform. Uh, why can't I be for both, right? Um, um, during the um, um, protests that we've had uh, through the years, um, I even argued with my kids at times because uh, you know young people get really inspired about um, protesting abuses that have occurred, um, and so they can sometimes be susceptible to embracing an anti-police uh, sentiment where. If you complain about crime that happens within the context of a protest, you're somehow against the movement for reform. That's nonsense. I can be for uh, reform, and we are actively working on the implementation of a consent decree, but I'm also against violence against police officers or police cars or, or businesses. And, and you know, we, we have our uh, task force on organized retail crime during the protests. Uh, some of it, what appeared to be organic um, looting, uh, woven into that was organized retail crime where people... Reading were, between some lines here. 
there's more to it, right? Yeah. So when you, you know, we t- often talk about the smash and grabs, right? And the, 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 the picture of the smash and grabs are people smashing the windows and this brazen criminal activity and a large group of uh, people running in. And oftentimes those are, those are just, those, those are the mules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely, they should be held accountable. Um, but what our effort is, and you know, I've got uh, Leo Schmitz and uh, Brian Stroke is uh, Leo Schmitz from uh, Cook County uh, uh, Sheriff's Office, and Brian Stroke is from uh, Oak Brook Police. Uh, um, we've partnered on on efforts to uh, solve the organized retail crime problem, and uh, uh, and Lyle Evans, who's uh, my where is Lyle? He's somewhere over there, head of my. Um, investigations, um, we realize that this is far more organized than what media characterizes it. And media would would like us to just focus on the low-level actor. But there are crime rings that finance and utilize, again, I'm going to go back to online platforms. Online platforms are a means to easily monetize the proceeds of this what would what, what otherwise seem like low-level actors uh, to, to subsidize other criminal activity, including human trafficking, gun trafficking, and in some cases, terrorism. And so uh, we do ourselves a disservice if we only focus on uh, the low-level actors. You know, uh, we just busted a crew in um, the Metro East um, uh, and a former... A former small town police chief was involved in the rink. Oh wow! Um, they were using meth to pay the people who were committing uh, uh, the, the crime. So it's important as we look at solving crime that we look at it holistically, and we don't um, just look at the low level offenders. We look at the the crime rings that are uh, fueling. Uh, those uh, low-level offenders to act. Um, you know, I know the mayor was criticized for um, talking about uh, young people who not demonizing young people, and and I, I, I share his sentiment there. But we have to con- concurrently talk about accountability, right? And so we can do both. It's not one or 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 or, or the other. And so I don't have a, a necessarily a three or six or a nine month plan, but what I do believe in is a one team concept. Uh, we have gone a long way of collaborating with law enforcement partners. Um, you know, I've told Chief Snelling, who's who's here, who I'm really really excited about uh, his tenure. Because in Chief Snelling, we have somebody who's respected by rank and file. Um, there, you know, it's no secret that there's been this kind of uh, low level of uh, morale amongst ro- uh, rank and file officers. They felt like people are uh, against them. But we also have somebody who's well-respected by community groups that uh, call for um, constitutional policing. And we have somebody who's a national expert in use of force, right? It's like a perfect storm, right? And uh, No pressure. Uh, <laughs> and well, by no, the way, we're going to have you back here, please, to see, uh, tell us all about your plans. But the no pressure point is, is, is you know, the, the other thing is we have to, you know, we have to uh, 
give things time, right? You know, this problem did not uh, get created overnight. And so, so for people who have been critical of the mayor and says, oh, you haven't solved the crime problem in your first 100 days, right? Well, hell no, right? <laughs> who would have, right? But uh, to have the vision to appoint uh, a Fred Waller to, to sort of stabilize things and transition to uh, 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 a uh, uh, Chief Snelling, uh, somebody who's um, got the experience of a, a, a 21st century policing. Um, constitutional policing does not mean um, uh, undermining public safety. I, I, I believe it's, it's, it's the, the opposite. And if we embrace um, like the one team concept and, and we embrace um, the notion of, of avoiding these false dichotomies, I think we can be successful. I was at a University of Chicago where the University of Chicago Crime Lab is in, um, investing in training um, violence uh, intervention uh, leaders. Um, and at the same time, they're investing in training police leaders. So they're doing both parts, right? It's not one or the other. And historically, we didn't even, you know, we thought, uh, they were talking about it the other day at the University of Chicago. It was, oh, well, you, know, you talked about violence and intervention, you're talking about hug a thug, right? Oh, it's not a worthy in, in, in investment. Um, Arnie Duncan, who's, uh, who's my who's my point guard in high school, um, you know, through Chicago cred um, and um, Eddie Bocanegra, who uh, evolved uh, uh, Ready Chicago, they're doing incredible work. And if we bring their work to scale and at the same time, you know, we support our, our law enforcement and, and relieve law enforcement of some of the, the duties that shouldn't have been their duties to begin with, um, we can win. But, but we can talk about accountability and investment in root causes at the same time. It's not one or the other. And again, lift up the good things that are happening because there's so much, right, that, that is. I mean, there's, thanks for mentioning University of Chicago, the crime lab. They do, they do incredible work. We hear about it every now and then here. Um, and, I, and um, you know, I forgot to mention the political, you know, kind of, Slogan that's been thrown around: "Defund the police." Right? Yeah. You know, it's just um, it's a bad slogan to begin with. That uh, what the people who were speaking it really meant was doing a type of investment in in community and, and solving root causes. Uh, um, but it's a bad slogan, you know, that was easily used by people who wanted to demon. And I'd like to say that, you know, thanks to the members of the General Assembly uh, for uh, allowing us to pass the organized retail crime statute, but also giving us a grant program that we administer that we're actually funding the police, funding the police's efforts. And we, we did so with Oak Brook, where at Oak Brook Mall, uh, they're about at 100 uh, percent occupancy and the shrinkage rate has gone right. down and they've been apprehending people. And, and uh, um, um, Cook County is supplementing the work of Chicago Police Department in our central district. You see that right around, district. Right around and, here. And, and so we funded uh, some of their efforts. Uh, right. to, you see it. I know to, uh, Rob Carr, I think, from the Illinois uh, Retailer Merchants Association is here. I know he had something to do with that. The Mag Mile. 
Association. I know they've they've been a, and we uh, collaborate with the Cook County that. State's Attorney's Office as well on on, on right. ORC. So it's this notion of you know let's not pit each other against yeah. one another. Let's work collectively together. Good. And, and do it in this room too, and right? Federal law enforcement is engaged yeah. a lot more as well. Great. Uh, good to see results, right? Um, you mentioned. Well, you, you briefly touched. Oh, let's lighten it up for a second, because you mentioned Arnie Duncan, and I think I, I think I heard this from another, and I don't know that she's here. Who's your favorite teacher? My favorite teacher is. And, we, and we've got remember we've got some teachers in the room, right? Yeah. And, and 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 I don't want to go ahead. Well, okay, I, um, Darlene McCampbell was my. Um, <laughs> you nailed it. Okay. <laughs> she I'll was. Explain. I often say that I learned to uh, read and write. When I was a junior in high school, I went to the lab school. Um, I had transferred to the lab school in the eighth grade from another school that um, wasn't as advanced in sort of critical thinking and persuasive writing and interpretive reading. So I felt like way dumber than <laughs> all the other kids in the, the class. And I struggled in the language arts. I was strong in math, but I struggled in the language arts. And who would have figured I would become a lawyer? Uh, <laughs> um, it wasn't until uh, my junior year of high school there was a uh, most kids would take the elective English classes, whether it was Shakespeare or some. Um, and for those remedial kids like myself, there was a uh, year-long um, English uh, composition and uh, course, and it was the best. I, at first, I thought, "Oh yeah, they put me in a year-long. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the dumb kid." It was the best thing that, uh, that's, uh, educationally that happened in my life is uh, she gave me the confidence um, that I did. Uh, I, I, I believe that I have a, a, a reading disability that's never been diagnosed. Um, so um, actually it became a, a strength in law school. I had a contracts professor who recognized that he as well had some sort of reading disability. He went to Yale and he said it was best advantage um, he had because we would have to read and reread and reread. As a, as a result, um, I was catching the, the nuances that other people who would just read once uh, were, were, were not catching. Um, so uh, between Darlene McCampbell and I guess in second place would be Jacob Corey, my, my uh, contracts professor at Chicago. Kent. Uh, um, I'm, I, I'm where, where I am. Well, so Deborah Gittler asked that question. Deborah, are you in the room? Um, oh, that's what you. Okay, so I, I was trying to read in between those lines, but I think that that's going to be a staple at City Club. A question for everybody because everybody's got to. Well, by the way, um, you know, my kids went to lab as well. I think one of them ended up taking Miss um, McCampbell's class. Yeah. I won't say who my least favorite professor teacher. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I'm because that happened to my son too. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep that question though. Thank you, thank you, Deborah, because I, I love that you get a lot. You learn a lot about people when you when you learn about their favorite teachers. Um, and as the son of um, a teacher, of course, I love that one. Um, okay, keeping things a little lighter. Let's just talk politics for a minute. How about that? It's like city clubs. That's favorite life. Pastime. <laughs> 
I mean, and, and I don't have a specific quote. We've got we've got the DNC coming next year. They were all here yesterday, this yeah, week. DNC, DNC, uh, it's great for the city, right? Yeah. Um, and and you know, you're you're a relatively young man. Um, your name's uh, you're you're held in, in high regard. Uh, you're you know your name's been mentioned on various uh, for various things. Uh, tell us politically, kind of what are you thinking, and and um, are we going to see your name on the ballot again, and are we going to see it in any other place? Um, and 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 maybe is the DNC going to affect any of that uh, as we move forward? It's a loaded question. Four Mul- questions. Multifaceted question. Well, let me touch on the DNC part. Yeah. And, and, and I'm selfishly saying this because I'm an attorney general. Uh, one of the parts of my job that I didn't know I would be doing as much as I would would be traveling out, out of state to meet with other attorneys general. And, and, I, and I often say uh, there's never been a time in American history where who you elect as your state attorney general um, matters as much as it does right now because it's, it's the rule of law. In the rule of law, um, that'll be, you know, what salvages our country. And it's, I'm, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. You know, the things that uh, we see going on, the misuse of, the, of, the, uh, of, of whether it's trying to undermine DEI, undermine um, election results, undermine uh, access to reproductive uh, health care, um, so on and so on and so on, we're involved in uh, undermine our ability to protect our kids from gun violence um, uh, under the auspices of uh, the, the expanding what the meaning of the Second um, uh, um, Amendment is. Um, what we do is, I am in a dream job, right? You know, and I say that, and my bio always says that, but this, this is a, you know, General Burris can, uh, can, can tell you this is a dream job. By the way, I, I, uh, I've been knowing uh, Roland Burris since I was in the second grade. I, I was his daughter's classmate uh, in elementary school, so he's watched me grow up. So it's awesome to be able to serve in a role that he served um, in, in before me. Um, One of many incredible distinguished roles. Thank you, Senator. So all that lead into, you know, the importance of the attorney general's office is what it leads to the question of what, why aren't AGs lifted up at the DNC, right? You know, when you go to the DNC, you're, I'm serious about this, you know, um, we're at a stage, and I'm not advocating for myself, put Tish James up there, put the, uh, Put uh, Aaron Ford or Keith Ellison or or a number of, of others. Chris May is out in there, a new one out in there, Arizona and uh, Dana Nessel. Um, you know, um, we're kind of the political stepchild in a way, right? <laughs> but we're doing all the work, right? Um, so so that's what I advocate for. I told that to Jamie Harrison yesterday because uh, the DNC had a reception yesterday of of leaders. I said, you know, we need to elevate the presence of our state attorneys general on the, on the stage at the DNC because at the end of the day it's going to end up in the courtroom and guess who's going to be there? <laughs> it's the state AG. Um, it's good to hear that you're talking with other states and, and everyone is uh, dealing, I think, with many of the same issues, right? Yes. Yes. We, uh, so again, we work collectively and um, 
sometimes it's it's on a partisan basis, you know, because you know we do have some state attorneys general um, that have a different mind, and you know. <laughs> And I mean, there's we're, we're not biased here, uh, by uh, the way. It's a let me be very clear. There's, 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 not partisan. There's some there's some folks who are just funding the effort to misuse the state attorney general office in in mm-hmm. various states, and this whole attack on the um, on the effort to embrace inclusion and in uh, corporate America and and, and in law firms, the notion that we had 13 Republican AGs that uh, penned a letter to. Fortune 100 CEOs that um, misinterpreted SFFA v. Harvard to indicate that you have to get rid of your DEI programs, mischaracterize some of the programs. And it's important to note that in their letter, they, they cloaked it in DEI generally, but the examples that they used were programs aimed at um, being inclusive of African Americans in Either employment or contracting uh, opportunities. So, um, if you if you take the first uh, level of cloaking off of there, it's just a racist uh, letter. But to but um, to note the fact that thirteen Republican AGs signed on to it um, is significant because thirteen Republican AGs decided not to sign on to it, and, and uh, um, as was the case that uh, I have an old friend who uh, politically were probably this far, far apart, but the former attorney general of, of Idaho, Lawrence Wasden, who had served in that capacity for over 30 years, um, he was unseated in a primary last year um, because they targeted him because he refused to sign on to a lawsuit to try to overturn the elections in another state. Um, he probably wanted a different result in those elections, but he had the integrity to say, this is wrong. And as a result, as a result, there was a well-financed campaign to unseat him, and he lost in a landslide. That's just a, a 30-year incumbent who was a sweetheart of a guy. I disagreed with him on abortion. I disagreed with him on a whole host of issues, but he was gentleman. Um, and that shouldn't have happened. That's a reflection of where we are now. And the politiz- politicization, uh, I can never pronounce that word. <laughs> You've got more important things to worry about. the office. But yeah, in terms of uh, uh, politics and other things, uh, you know, I'm in my first term and, you know, I always say the best way to campaign for whatever you do next is to do the job that you're in effectively um, while you're in it. Awesome. Great. I had uh, I had asked for a um, a five minute reminder when it was when it was time to wrap and I love that we're at the five minutes and then these smiley the unhappy smiley face at the <laughs> end of the reminder. I think everyone's enjoying and uh, if not in well certainly enjoying but but uh, learning so much from this conversation. Um, so we we do have, and it, and it means you have to come back, yes. Um, but we do have five minutes, so I'm going to take every one of them, right? Um, is that all right with you all? Uh, I do want to just hit a couple of quick ones uh, that, that we got from the audience uh, most recently. Um, Dwayne Deskins. Dwayne, former uh, yep, prosecutor, uh, good friend of the City Club. What percentage 
uh, reduction of burglaries, robberies, and shootings are you, um, do you expect from suing Kia? Well, I'm trying to remember the, um, and maybe some of my staff can remind me, but um, Hyundai and Kia um, are, let me just make up statistics here. Sure. Somebody can correct me. We'll, we'll get the concept. <laughs> are, uh, I think, somewhere around, and Chief, you can correct me if I'm wrong, of, uh, um, what is, somebody yell it out. What's the percent? <laughs> Yeah. It's a lot, right? Yeah. 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 At least a third. Yeah, I think it was more like 40, 40 something percent, and and, and far less of the percentage of uh, single digits of the percentage of cars sold out into the market. So, um, so you're talking about six, seven fold of the percentage of cars st- sold on the market are. Yeah, there's something there. They, they represent. And it's not just the fact that they're being stolen. It's the fact that they're being used in crimes, right? Um, so, um, you know, so, so for those who criticize our letters and our, our effort to, to say that uh, uh, this is a serious problem that Hyundai and Kia need to address, um, if you connect it to the crimes, the, some of the brazen crimes we, we see, then you understand the priority of, of, of this as as a focus of, of ours. So thank you for the uh, uh, question. Yeah. Um, I didn't plan on bringing this up, but again, it makes it more personal. I was, I was recently hit by a car and uh, it was a Kia and it was stolen yep. and it was a hit and run. And uh, fortunately I I'm, I'm fine. Um, it was a rough week, but uh, on my way to a city club program, broad daylight this stuff affects people, right? It affects all of us yeah. in this room. Yeah, so whether it's, or another. whether it's those cars that are easy, I mean, they have the YouTube videos of how to, how, to, how to steal the cars, whether it's cars that are stolen or we also sued a gun manufacturer that was making guns that are illegal. Uh, well, we, we actually sued our law enforcement partner, uh, the ATF, who we actually work collectively with for relicensing a rogue gun manufacturer that makes these cheap guns that no legal gun owner wants to purchase. So they're, they're literally guns that were being manufactured for criminals. Yeah. You know, easy throwaway guns, just like these cars are throwaway cars because they're stolen cars. That's what uh, enhances it more than just a, a, a regular possession of a stolen motor vehicle. It's a car that's going to be used in a crime that's more serious than just yeah, right, a car. Right. Um, and, and more difficult to track the track down the perpetrators um okay we've got two minutes i think we eddie ratner asked what are the chances for era yeah um so we took it all the way to the uh dc circuit and an interesting thing um i was able to vote for ratification while i was in the uh, general assembly and then um under the leadership of my solicitor general jenny notes and um, we argued all the way to the uh, D.C. Circuit, and they kind of gave us a... They didn't say we were wrong, um, um, but um, I think that, you know, it's, you know, we need to advocate for um, Congress to, to, to act again and, and clarify... Uh, that there's no deadline for equality in the United States of America. 
Um, we, we didn't even really get into the no cash bail. Um, we don't can, have, we don't have much time. Can, I, can, I can you, do that in 30 seconds. Can you do that and then we'll, um, and then we'll wrap up a little bit. We should detain people based on um, whether they're at risk of harming somebody else or uh, a flight risk. That's my answer. <laughs> not, not how much money they have. But that means detaining people who, that means detaining people. So sometimes means folks interpret that as meaning you're just going to flip somebody, you know, it's a revolving door. No, there's got to be the uh, uh, risk assessment done. And, and if somebody, you know, has demonstrated that they're at risk of, of, of causing harm, that means, you know, we're going to hold you. Um, and so that uh, decision, you know, has to be made by, by judges. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, money, you know, uh, you can have a vicious gangbanger that has access to a lot of money and they could post bond and go out and look for the person that, you know, might testify against. That doesn't make sense, but cash bail would allow that. Thanks. Thank you for the explanation, the quick explanation, and of course all the efforts that uh, were behind that. Um, I can say one more thing. You meant No, and this is important. So this is a hidden story about the whole cash bail debate. Um, the money. Um, the money was being utilized to support systems throughout our state. I'll confess, when I was in private practice, I used to serve as a conflict bar attorney. And I used to show up and on bar days, and I would make money based on people's uh, having posted cash bail. Um, and so there's reliance on that money, and that's the real reason there was um, as much opposition uh, to it. I mean, look at our federal system. It's largely a risk assessment uh, system that does not rely on cash. Nobody accuses the feds being soft on uh, det- detaining people. There's always so much more behind all these issues, and, and there's so many more issues. Couldn't couldn't tackle them all today. I'll come um, back. We'll, but will you come back? Yeah, if you have oysters. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, can we work? <laughs> um, so we, uh, you've got this room captivated. Um, we hope you do come back. Um, and, and I'll keep some of these questions for, yeah. for, for the future uh Future program. I'm going to ask Jackie to uh, to join us. We do have your uh, your one year membership, so you, you have to come back, and and we uh, and we welcome you. Thank you. We welcome you to uh, to do that at any time, and uh, hopefully it's to come back and uh, and hear some others in the room that are doing some great things. Uh, so thank you, Attorney General, for all your efforts. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. Much appreciated. Have a good day.